0: Good afternoon and welcome to Business Eye. Well, what a week, it's been busy, 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 and uh, rumors of deals afoot, and uh, the Rugby World Cup's just kicked off, and uh, uh, good to see you, Joe, again.
1: Hi, Simon, how are you? It's great to have you uh, back in here again with some wonderful guests that we have. Yep.
0: Super, super guests.
1: Yep. So who have we got on the phone, Simon?
0: We've got three guests who I would re- regard as, as business friends and colleagues. Uh, first of all, we have Mindy Casaldan from uh, Casaldan Consulting. It's great to see you, Mindy.
2: Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks so much.
0: It's great to see you. And then we have Raymond Hegarty, who uh, is uh, an expert in IP commercialization, has done some amazing stuff and TEDx talks and that kind of stuff. And then, good to see you, Raymond. Good to see you, Simon. And then Dermot Mannion, former CEO of Aer Lingus, a coach, a consultant and a bit of an all-around business guru. It's good to see you, Dermot. Thank you very much. It's great to be here too. <laughs> that's some
1: title to have there. I know, it's ominous, isn't it? putting you on the spot there. I know, really exactly. Really
3: the really discussion good. will probably go downhill from now, but that's okay.
1: That's okay. Welcome, <laughs> folks. Uh, it's a Friday we are live we are in Dundrum shopping centre uh, yes the rugby is on and being a rugby fan I will be tuning in at the break to see what's happening I think Russia just
0: scored have they?
4: It's well it's half time at the moment
0: <laughs> that's the end of that that's
1: it. that's like someone telling you the end of a
0: movie I told you the start <laughs>
1: So you've had a crazy week, actually. You've had
0: a bit of a... Well, I've had a cold. I'm just getting over a cold, but I've been travelling. I've been up in uh, Northern Ireland. I was a keynote at uh, the Northern Ireland Small Business Conference, and then I was on uh, the BBC. I was interviewed on BBC Radio Newry, so it's been a busy week, but it's been great. It's great to be back here.
1: Yes, it is. For myself, it's been a bit weird, actually. I actually don't know what I did this week. Do you ever have those weeks that <laughs> you just don't know what, what, what's happened? Mm-hmm. But the week is over? That's called alcohol. Is that alcohol, <laughs> is it? Yes. But it's, but it's been productive as well. So a lot going on. There's a few events coming on. But tell me yourselves, how's your week been? What have you been up to?
3: Well, uh, as I said earlier, I'm active in the consultancy space. So I started the week on Sunday at the final of the Irish Young Entrepreneur of the Year competition which uh, was hosted by Google and is sponsored by Enterprise Ireland. Wonderful event. Uh, I I was supporting a young entrepreneur from my home county, Sligo, Damien Kilgallen, who has developed a light therapy solution which he believes, and I believe, could be used for sleep disorders and jet lag and the like. I'm delighted to see he was shortlisted for one of the awards in the end, which was great. Um, A brilliant event and a real... Bird's eye view of all the wonderful talent that's coming along in Ireland at the moment.
1: It is, yeah, it's a great event. I was, I, I was following actually the event on Twitter, um, and Ono Mali, which he's head of the Dunleary Leo, he was at it as well. I was mm. actually speaking to him yesterday, and he was saying it's, it's a, it's a great event, and you know it, it inspires young people who have an idea to actually step forward and go. There's someone there that will listen to me.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, every county uh, in, in the country was represented. The ultimate winner was from, from County uh, Tipperary, uh, Sharon Cunningham, with a company called uh, Shorla Pharma. They developed uh, are, are developing pharmaceutical c- solutions that would be suitable for therapy for women and for young children. Very impressive story. Everyone's got an impressive story, basically, who made it to the final on, on Sunday. There's there's so much potential
0: in Ireland and and Mindy I know your business Castle and Consulting you, 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 you one of your taglines is unlocking potential what sort of clients do you have and 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 are you working with more smaller companies startups or what what sort of client base do you have?
2: Yeah, our client base actually is very diverse. We work in. Tech industry, as well as with architects, with uh, individuals who are really just trying to get forward along their, you know, path of performance. Uh, most of our clients we're looking at are the ones that are really motivated to move forward, but you know, really figure out what they're good at, where their strengths are, yeah. how to leverage those strengths to build up some skills that they. That may not be so strong, yeah. and how to develop a culture around them that supports that. So, looking yeah. at teams and the whole organization, and really just yeah, unleashing the potential that's already there, and really trying to drive forward and accelerate the growth.
1: It's like we have five consultants in a room. <laughs> all we need is a bishop to walk
4: in and, and a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have
0: one of them. Yeah, room. yeah well, excellent, <laughs> excellent. Excellent. As well. yeah,
1: yeah. Walk into the room. What about yourself?
4: Um, I work in the business of intellectual property and I coach CEOs of high growing uh, tech companies on their IP strategies. So it's how to align their IP strategy with their corporate strategy. Yeah. And you've just you've done a TEDx which, which Mindy and I, I and I've seen it's really powerful TEDx. Maybe
0: just describe the TEDx, particularly around linking this conversation around Ireland as an innovation hub and what, what it has and what it could potentially grab in the
4: future. Right. Thank you very much. My TEDx was in the area of invention. So it was talking about the inventiveness of Irish inventors. And it was looking at it from a historical point of view and going back thousands of years. But in the last, you know, 400 years ago, 150 years ago, and some very interesting Irish inventions, such as the binaural stethoscope or the hypodermic syringe, the hollow needle hypodermic syringe. Hmm. Um, My favourite one is the ejector seat that you see in the James Bond movies. (laughs) So there's a lot of inventions by Irish people, and the theme of my TEDx was that the invention is not just for Edisons of this world, Hmm. and that there's a proud history of Irish invention, and I think there's a potential for future Irish inventions as well, and the conditions are there for that.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I, I tra- I've travelled the world, I've been all over the world for over the last many years in sales and marketing, and I always feel that when it comes to the Irish, we are very creative uh, it's, and does one of the, why is one of the reasons that a lot of the multinationals come here as well? We okay, the CEOs want to go to a location as well, which is fun, and they get it. But it's also the workforce, and even with the Ar- with Irish that are in working in organisations, we all still have this entrepreneurial mindset. And I think that, and as you know, invention is a mother of all necessity. There's there's a huge development here. On the downside, I think there's an awful lot of entrepreneurs, I think there's so many of them, and a lot of them aren't earning money, right, okay, yes. mm. which is, is, is but
0: they're all trying to see and trying to prove if they can. Yes. What, 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 what provides for an environment for innovation? I mean, does Ireland have what it needs or what's it lacking?
4: Well, I come from the point of view that Ireland has a lot of the key ingredients that are the fundamentals of invention. Mm. I think that there are three things that you need for invention and that Ireland shows them very well. Knowledge development we have a young well-educated workforce Mm. who's interested in learning more and doing very well. Mm. Um, International connections as you know Irish people can travel anywhere in the world. You mentioned about the multinationals the wonderful thing about the multinationals is that it also gives experience to Irish people that if we didn't have multinationals here we wouldn't have that level of capability Mm. that Irish people can work in the multinationals, get exposure to ideas yeah. that they just wouldn't see in a small island nation. Yeah. You were just saying there are 25,000 Irish from Ireland over in Japan for the World Cup. Yes indeed, I just came back from Japan uh, just over 24 hours ago so I was coming out just as people were starting to move into Japan. Wow. And I believe that there's more than 25,000 because that is just the number of people who've registered from Ireland. Mm. There's a large number coming from Australian, Australia, Australia, Australia New Zealand, yeah, Singapore. Absolutely. very mobile it's interesting uh, because
1: a small nation we we our biggest exporter people Mm. and being with people i learned more when i went away and when i came back i was able to share that and i always say to everyone that that i know go away money for yourself uh, coming here is that if you go away and work abroad for at least a year and then go back to wherever your own country is, your enrichment, your knowledge, your experience is, is far beyond the people that never traveled.
3: Hmm. I mean, I, I agree 100%. Uh, certainly in the aviation space where I've spent most of my career, by definition, it's international. I mean, Ireland has an incredible track record in aviation. Just look at the three or four major leaders in the aviation world uh, are Irish, from the airlines to the leasing companies. So we've always had that kind of external kind of perspective. Going back to what Raymond said earlier about the tradition of Irish invention, I wonder if one of the changes more recently is that we now have a climate where it's easier for Irish people to invent at home here in Ireland, whereas perhaps before they may have had to go to America or they had to go to the UK or whatever it might be. But now, for all the reasons we've discussed earlier, the new enterprise culture and so on,
4: the atmosphere seems to be much better now. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that, and you, there's very often people talk about it on one hand and on the other hand. On one hand, you do have uh, much more inventiveness coming about because Irish people have seen what is possible. On the other hand, not being in, for example, Silicon Valley, you're not exposed to the same level and volume of ideas and interactions and how to execute and also access to finance, which is really important for entrepreneurs to take it to the next level.
0: I was gonna to segue to Mindy on that, so I, I don't hope you don't mind me asking, but your partner and business partner, Jeff Caseland, yes, uh, used to work for a small company called Amazon.
2: A small, tiny thing, <laughs> yes.
0: And uh, so you're obviously both from America. How do you view Ireland, the Irish ecosystem in terms of R&D and innovation, excellence, and, and you know just get up and go in that space as compared, say, to the States?
2: So, when we came over in 19 19—2008, <laughs> it was right before the, the crash, and so we experienced about a month of just amazing ideas and people and really got into the social bit of, you know, exploring the people here, the diverse ideas, and then when the crash happened and people left, we could see the difference that the lack of diversity had, and in the States, it's a huge place. There's many diverse cultures that are represented, but you can easily get into your little pocket, whether it's the sector, the community, and getting away from your community, the state, exploring the nation, exploring the world. I I was able to go to Australia in college and come back and I was just amazed. I was like, why am I going to stay in the States my entire life? Like there's a whole world to explore. Mm -hmm. And when we moved here, people had moved away. They had a bit of that diversity ingrained in them, and so you could see it reflected. And so the ideas, the creativity, it was really impressive for a country like Ireland compared to where we came from in San Francisco. So
0: you're kind of saying the Irish generally have, because of their willingness to move, there's there's a more an inherent open-mindedness and a willingness within the culture.
2: Yes, and a willingness to listen to other ideas and to take it on and really think about them.
0: Yeah, yeah I also, you know,
1: Ireland is just a rock on the side of Europe. It's, I know, say it's,
0: it's a windy rock off a windy off a, rock off the west coast of Europe. It, yeah. And it's,
1: it's like when I... When I, I Spent some time in the Isle of Man. Do you know there was? There's, the Isle of Man is described as eighty thousand drunks trying to get off an island. So that's how they describe themselves, and it's kind of some people left Ireland and they hit the Isle of Man because their boat was in the wrong direction, and some people left England and they hit it and they thought they were in a different country, and that's how it grew. Mm. But yet it is the innovation, and the like, guy spent many time, many years in America, and I, you know, the one thing I love about America is. And I would say some of the most dumbest people I've ever met in the world are American, but some of the most intelligent people I've met as well are American. And I've worked all over and I've worked with different sectors as well. And if I always say about America, if you don't like one area, move and go somewhere that you'll Mm. find it where here it's it's you're on the rock (laughs) where you're going (laughs) you're on on or you're not you know and and even moving to the UK as well like I would travel forwards and back to the UK with good old Ryanair for for about six years and for me it was just jumping on a train to Cork that's the way that I looked at it in and out all the time so from from people coming in they're going oh i love this country and they're welcome but the irish can be very clannish as well did you did you find
2: that yourself i have not actually okay. yeah um but we're very personable people so we put ourselves out there and i think what we've learned is that the more you put yourself out there the more people reciprocate it
1: yeah it, it's like I've, the one thing about them um, when i ask about americans as well i find them very trusting that's the one thing. If you want to do a, 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 a work in America, they are very trusting. And on that note, folks, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
4: Your
0: community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM.
5: You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM. Community radio with a global audience.
1: And welcome back to Business Eye. On the line, we have Siobhan Fitzpatrick. Siobhan is running a second event, a uh, this year uh, networking event in Dublin. Siobhan are you there? I am
5: here can you hear me Joe?
1: I can I can hear you loud and clear. How are you?
5: Thank you. I'm very good thank you on this gorgeous sunny Friday you can't be anything
1: but great I don't think. And tell us Siobhan it, it, is that South Dublin you're having that uh, sunny afternoon in?
5: A sunny afternoon on the foot of the Dublin hills.
1: Oh yes, we're we're on the f- uh, we're looking out into the city here. The sun is shining in Indian summer. That's what they have. Yes, it is. Yeah. yes, in Indian yes. summer. Siobhan, tell us you're running your event uh, next Friday. Tell the audience what it's about and um, what they will get from it, and where they can get the tickets. Fabulous,
5: thanks, uh, Joe. It's, it's the Networking Summit. It is our second year um, to run this event, following a very successful run last year. It's held at the Carlton Hotel Dublin Airport, and for a very valid reason, because we are an international event, and we welcome uh, delegates from as far as Canada, the UK, and and other parts of Europe. And, of course, from the rest of Ireland. We're sitting nicely on the M50 to welcome everybody in from all um, directions of our beautiful Green Isle. And um, the event is about... Well, look, the clue is in the the title, the Networking Summit. effectively an educational event enabling us to share tips and tools and techniques uh, from experts in the fields of the areas that particularly impact networking, communications, branding, performance, um, and networking itself. So we've got speakers like Kingsley Aikens, uh, Sharon Ty, Bridget uh, Farrell, who's going to be chatting to us about the global cultural communication challenges that we have, um, and, and, and many more. And uh, yeah, full day, eight o'clock in the morning, right through till quarter past four. So enabling people to get back on the road um, and avoid that traffic, Friday traffic.
0: Siobhan, it's Simon here. How are you?
5: Hi, Simon. And uh, we, we've yet to meet. I know. Although I've heard so much about
0: you. Likewise. And we, I think we're connected on LinkedIn. But anyway. We do, um, we so, so this event sounds fantastic. And I'd love to, I don't think I can come to this one, but I'd definitely like to come to another one. So, from your perspective, how, how international is this event? I mean, how, how, what, what sort of reach do you really expect and want this to, to, to attain globally?
5: Well, look, we're, we're a new event in terms of startup um, only being our second year. So it, it does take a little while for the message to reach out there. But the audience that we have coming, some of them may work here, but they're working, their businesses are international. They're dealing with international um, uh, audiences, employees. So the topic and the conversation is global and international, regardless of whether they have, they've come from Santa or they've come from Mayo or whoever it is, they have a need to understand the importance of networking globally. It's a topic that's global. There's no Now, there's different ways of doing it. And I was chatting to somebody about this the other day. So this is also part of our growth that we hope to bring is um, for those that travel internationally, how do you network in the likes of Jakarta? How do you network um, in, in, the, in the Middle East? It's all very, very different. So there, there'll be topics that will be coming up um, in the future. We don't have it in this particular um, conference this year, but um, it is it is a topic that will be expanded upon. So um, how much do I want it, uh, Simon? Uh, I want it... Uh, of course I want I want it to be a global event. You know, my aim is to have this sitting in, in and alongside um, events like Pendulum Summit.
0: Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. we
5: have a space in that area. It is... It's not something we're thought of, uh, taught in school or college, and yet it's, it's a tool and um, an activity that we need to do when we leave school.
0: Yeah, we were just saying in the break that Ireland has a massive global reach. So, they, uh, you know, I can't think of many better places to, to be the, the hub for a networking growth uh, programme than than, than than Ireland. So that sounds a great Thank aspiration. You. That's great. Thank you. We
1: and work? we've
5: actually... Oh, sorry, uh, Joe, go ahead.
0: Sorry, Sean,
1: Just want to just um, want to know where people can pick up the tickets and uh, who who's sponsoring for you as well.
5: Yeah, great question. So the tickets can be found on the networkingsummit.com dot com website, um, and the sponsorships uh, the sponsors we have this year we've been very honoured. Um, platinum sponsor this year is Hedgehogs versus Foxes, which is an incredibly um, innovative. Media company, so they've been doing, they've been handling our uh, media both on the ground and and producing videos for us um, prior. Uh, So I definitely recommend people check them out, Hedgehogs vs. Foxes. Um, We've got companies like Case Holding Consulting, Move Group, the Marketing Lounge. We've got the Networking Institute, which is another educational platform um, founded by Kingsley Aiken. We've got All Talk Training, again that communications a company who enable companies to um, improve, develop their their global communication. And we have uh, WebGo cards. So for those who forget their business cards on the day, I hope there won't be many, but if if you have, we've got you covered. So, and that's with uh, WebGo cards. And then we've got a huge amount of supporters and friends who've been so supportive, supportive to us over the years, uh, like the Beehive Ginger Productions, they're helping us produce the event. Her money. Uh, we've got KBC, Mavis Fitzpatrick photographer, a fantastic um, business lady, and Don Harris from Talkback. He's our engagement partner on the day, so making our event slightly different. Um, we've started conversations on the likes of LinkedIn and Twitter to get people connected prior to arriving on the day, so they're not coming in cold, um, and then John's there to aid. Those looking to connect, um, if they haven't already found that connection,
1: sounds like a know. wonderful, a wonderful day, Siobhan. And hopefully, I should be able to make it ourselves. Look, we're gonna, we're gonna have to shoot here, and um, just give the website out quickly where people can get it again.
5: TheNetworkingSummers dot com.
1: Brilliant, Siobhan. Thank I you. will talk to you soon. You. Take care.
5: Thank Lovely. you. Bye. Bye. Happy Friday.
1: Bye-bye. Bye bye. Networking.
3: Do you sell a network? Irish people are very good at networking. It's kind yeah. of second nature, you know. Yeah, I, I, I always said networking years ago was when we used to meet people in the
0: pub, mm-hmm. was, was how we're networking. We are, we are a nation of, of networkers. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I see your, so Consultants uh, sponsoring this event.
2: We are, we are. <laughs> the You know, people connectedness is just so important That's and that. learning how to network effectively is something not everyone is born with that skill. So I think the networking summit will really give a voice and a real opportunity to learn how to effectively reach people and connect with people mm. and help each other out. Yeah.
1: Like I think we're all Shanikes in Orland. Mm. We like telling stories and, That's and sharing information. It's Probably one of the good things. I always notice when you ask an Irish person a question, they answer it with a question. Yeah. And I've, I was trying to figure out why. And I wonder—is it going back to you know the, the the many years of being preoccupied by a foreign nation that, and you know, we were fearful of answering the wrong question, so we answered everything with a question on could it be. as well.
0: Yeah. Could be. Could be. Yeah. In terms of questions and stories, I'm really interested. Um, you know Dermot. You mm. know you, you. used to be in the aviation industry at senior mm. level, and 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 Mindy and uh, Raymond. You've you know you've been employees, but you're all working for yourselves. And I'm interested. Maybe start with Dermot. Mm. How you found the transition from you know being a senior executive and being on the on the board of Royal Brunei Airlines mm. to being your own boss in terms of coaching and consulting. I think we had a bit of a chat. There's, mm. there's pluses and there's minuses, but I'm interested in your how you're managing this journey.
3: Oh, I mean, it, it's huge. I mean, for, for anybody who's been in the corporate world and you leave the corporate world, you suddenly realize that that organizational support network that you had is not there anymore. It's invisible. <laughs> the other thing is that, you know, we tend to very much identify or be identified by others with the organizations that we work for. Hmm. So, you know, and and, and it's kind of easy to be labeled in that way. So for instance, when I was working for Emirates, I was an Emirates person. You didn't have to go into an elaborate explanation of what you were doing. That's it, you're part of the corporate world. When you leave that behind Hmm. and you're doing your own thing, you know, you've got to do it on your own. Hmm. You've got to create that space. You've got to go out and interact with people. You've got to network with people. You've got to create a different perception to perhaps the perception that people would have had before. Because you must hear everybody saying
0: former CEO of Aer Lingus and that's
3: good. and Well, well, you know, well exactly. I, I, I don't ever really like to be described as former anything because I, mm. I want to be who I am now. But, yeah. but, you're, but, but we live in a world of labels and people like to label each other in particular ways. And it's often quite a challenge to sort of break through all of that.
1: It's, it's interesting you say that because a lot of people, when they do, and I think like we've all left the corporate world and gone out on our own. And when we I remember using my own example, thinking of a name. So what is my company called? And I would think of all these different labels because. I wasn't secure enough to call the company Joe Dalton Mm. so I had you know Harrison Myers and and then we we would have you know breakthrough brands which now is a hashtag for for it but when I got really comfortable with who I was and what I represented I just went why don't I just call it Joe Dalton Mm. but prior to that I was fearful of calling it my name and that's that's interesting because when you go out and do your own thing you kind of have to stand up and be you yeah.
0: We, we had the same conversation just before this, Mindy and I. Um, but you went straight for your the, your, your, your name,
2: Caselden Consultant. Did. Yes, right away. Like <clears throat> I don't know if it is the American in me, but it was just an easy option. We're both Caseldens. So this is what we represent is us, and we are the essence of the company. Um, but back to finding your identity, it has certainly been a journey, even though we right away went into castleton consulting using our name but finding that identity outside of corporate world is just a very long process and you i dare say we will continue to learn this
1: <laughs> yeah it's 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 sort of it's sort of looking at it in a way that okay i don't have that security anymore and i am now have to represent myself and I don't have a team of 40, 50 people to do the work. Oh, I have an idea and and they do it and you're going to go... Okay, I have to figure this out myself on it. Mm. But it's an amazing journey as well because your knowledge and your wisdom is being passed on to people that it can help as well. It? Yeah.
0: Raymond, you, you, if you don't mind me saying, you have a really, from my perception, a really powerful identity. I mean, you've just written a book. Is it Was it the Billion Dollar, Become a Billion Dollar IP Expert or something like that?
4: A billion Dollar IP Strategy.
0: I mean, that's very powerful. And you know your stuff from an IP perspective. I know you do, because I know you and uh, IP commercialization is your thing. Does, to, having said all that though, does does any of that count against your own personal journey? I mean, does it, that make what you're doing tough because you have such a strong identity?
4: Yes, it does mean that I need to narrow my focus. I am obsessed with intellectual property. I'm obsessed with creation of intangible value and I see opportunities everywhere. And the main thing when you are doing this is to make sure that you don't go after every single opportunity and you need to decide what is the thing that I can offer the most value on. Mm. And I know that both Mindy and Dermot were talking about doing things on your own and that's one of the big difficulties about moving from a corporate environment. It's one of the instincts as well though of somebody who starts off is they think that they have to do everything on their own. And one way that you can actually flourish when you are on your own is to work out what is the core thing that you're delivering? And there are many opportunities now to outsource the non-core stuff. So if you don't want to be spending your time doing accounting, if you don't want to be spending your time doing web design, there are people who can do that for you and can do it better than you could do it yourself. And you certainly don't want to be tying up your valuable value-adding hours with doing things that somebody else can do much more efficiently than you for even a lower fee than you would be charging. I,
1: I would agree with you on one level. On the other level, I think it's people when they're starting out and a lot of people starting out their businesses in their 30s and 40s mightn't have the money to delegate all all that information out and the other thing being Irish as well being curious and myself I love learning yes. so mm-hmm. when I was on my journey I learned how to build sites I learned email automation system I, I, I know programming I, I you know I sales training I've taught and it was all these things that I learned because I love learning them and then I got to a stage and there was so much of it when you get to a financial level and you can afford it and all then you can delegate it out like I, I have a PA that does all the work so I'm no longer working in the business I'm working on it but I want to go just back into what you were talking about there in innovation Yes A lot of IT companies think that innovation is developing a new product but is it not sometimes just re- reinventing or
4: getting their own product right or even better for a customer You're absolutely right and I have a definition of what is invention as against what is innovation and the primary difference an invention is something new that hasn't been there before. And innovation is something which is new, that hasn't been there before, and is useful. And the measure of usefulness is the market. And very often people come up with a cool product, and because they think it's cool, they expect the market should accept it. Yeah. And very often their way of promoting it is that if somebody doesn't get it, they will explain it more. And they will try and teach them, they will try and educate them. And that is a very exhausting product, a process. And a much more effective way of marketing is actually going out, you talk about what you have, but you listen to what the needs of the customers are. But is it also you could have a product where it's too early for market? Yes.
1: And I, I, we were one, We had one of those products. We had a genetics uh, <coughs> company which was testing DNA for electric ability and nutrition. And That's when good. we were running it and telling people, people were looking at us like we were idiots. Yes. And we were saying, no, this works, yes. Yeah. What? It? And now... You look now and there's hundreds of companies running genetic tests and all, but when we were starting off do we got funding, but everyone
4: looked at us like we were idiots. You're right. An idea has its time. Yeah. And you do hear people talking about something which was too early for its market. But what I see is that there are many more that were too late for their market. There's a lot of people coming with me too things. They look at something that's successful and they will try and do the same thing or a Mm. variation on that. Mm. But that isn't what the market is looking for. If they've already got that from what was already successful there.
1: It's the old joke about, you know, the guy running into the the stadium with his new idea and the the people that were there before him are packing up the suitcases with the bundles of money and walking out and go,
4: see you later. (laughs) And that's one of the interesting things about the patent system. The patent system isn't just about protecting things. When you're looking for a patent, you are looking at what is out there already. And sometimes an inventor comes up with an idea and they're at the stage of, I've got an idea. But when they want to file a patent, they've got to write down, say, what that idea is. That starts them to examine the substance of the idea. And then when they go out and do a search, they may be very disappointed to discover that somebody just came up with this last week and has registered already. Or somebody's come up with it 20 years ago. But the one thing is that when you do this search, you then don't waste time going down the blind alley of something that's been developed by somebody already. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right
1: back. Broadcasting to South Dublin on 93.9.
0: This is Dublin South FM.
5: You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM. Community radio with a global audience.
0: And welcome back. I, I'm always really interested in what is in the mind of an entrepreneur or a small business person, somebody who owns their business, in terms of what they're looking to do next with the business, their ideal clients, how they really want to grow their business. So maybe I'll just I'll start with Mindy. You know, you've established your business, you have a good name, you're sponsoring events, but what's the next twenty four months like for your business?
2: Well, really, we are all about delivering. Real Value and impact. And I would really like to see this develop into more of a one-on-one coaching business. I really enjoy working with individuals, helping them figure themselves out and, you know, tapping into those perhaps hidden strengths. Get rid of those self-limiting beliefs that hold you back and then watch them flourish. And I mean, we do this at the organizational and team level as well. But for me, really, it's I would like to develop the one-on-one coaching business, and really make some true impact on people's lives.
0: Oh, so unlocking that potential is in everybody, but 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 lack of confidence or uh, fear or whatever is just holding it back.
2: Well, we all have the imposter syndrome from time to time, and sometimes we forget that this is a universal thing. Um, so. Really, the ideal client is someone who is really motivated to figure themselves out, to get to the next stage of either a plan that they've already set, a specific career path, or try something new. Maybe they don't know what they're really good at yet. And you know we could have those moments at any stage in our life. So yeah, the ideal client would be the ones that are motivated and really ready to put the effort into finding out more about themselves.
1: I think it's really making someone accountable.
2: Yes, that's that's
1: really what coaching is. It's you know, you you can bring your wisdom to the table. You can it's all about asking questions, asking questions. I always I've been coaching a long time and mentoring and I always I've, I've learned I never tell people what they need to do. I let them figure it out for themselves with your guidance because we've fallen down so many rabbit holes and spent so much money on figuring things out. And the, the reason why people are coming to us so they don't fall down those rabbit holes, but you can't give them, you know, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. And some coaches out there will do that where you're just getting them to switch on their creative mind by asking the right questions for them to develop themselves on it.
2: Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. The hardest part of being a coach is keeping my mouth shut. Um, Letting them come to realizations because that's where the power is. If you don't personally experience or learn something and you take someone else's word for it, then it doesn't last as long. The learning doesn't last as long. The emotional imprint isn't there. And you're bound to make the same mistakes that you just heard you should never make. So until you make them yourself or until you have those own your own experiences the learning is just so much shorter you really need to you know view failure as more of a learning experience and not such a negative
1: but, but it's interesting you said that you want to turn the coaching into one to one I love one to one you know I've I've trained and I've coached to many and I help clients do that. But for me, it's the one to one. And people say, would you not do this? It's not because I, I enjoy it. I enjoy that time. And with video and with the Internet, we can be anywhere in the world on it. And that's that's the real beauty of it, isn't it? You have to find your niche. Yes. On it. What what would be the biggest one piece of advice that you would give to someone who who would want to be a coach?
2: who would want to be yeah, a coach.
1: Yeah,
2: you know, Don't, don't. <laughs> no, definitely do. But, you know, I went to Kingstown College to get some kind of foundation to make sure that the strategies that I was using, the questions I was asking were appropriate, were right, and were helping the coaching, coachy client. Um, I think that that's really important. Like, we all have our own experiences and... Can help mentor others, but you're right. It's all about asking the right questions, letting people figure it out for themselves. Why? Because it's so powerful. Yeah. yeah. The
1: question itself, why is, you
2: know, it's. It is, yeah.
1: Just have you ever realized as well that it's taking other people out of their comfort zone? And we all do this, and even ourselves, because if you can get someone out of their comfort zone, that's where the magic happens. Yes. And the only reason they'll come out of their comfort zone is because you're holding their hands to walk them down that path on it.
0: Raymond, you said a
4: definitive yes there. What, what, What do you think about that? Well, you talk about taking people out of their comfort zone. It's also the habitual behaviors. There's a culture that's built into companies and everybody keeps talking about building cultures. The flip side of that is that the culture can mitigate against further innovation. Because the culture reinforces the way they've been doing it up until now. Mm. And I work with CEOs of high-growing, high-tech companies. And the feature of those companies is that a huge part of their value is intangible. And they've been growing the company very well. They've developed excellent products. They've developed great relationships with their customers. They've developed great businesses. Very often, they have neglected the intellectual property side of it.
0: That's a great point. Uh, You know, I was at this conference in Northern Ireland yesterday, and the theme of it was really, unless you keep keep growing, it's a bit like spiritual life. Unless you keep growing, you're going to wither at the vine. So those companies at the top, they,
4: they probably have to grow as much, if not more, than startup companies. Indeed. And you look at companies like Facebook or Uber or the Irish company Stripe, all of these companies, their value doesn't come from the machinery and the factories and the land. The value comes from all of the intangibles about the ideas they have, the inventions they have, their relationships with customers, and all of those intangible things end up multiplying the value of the company. And it can be multiplied by a hundredfold, it can multiplied a thousandfold. One of the very worrying things about that, though, is that if you don't control those intangibles, you can also get a massive drop in value. So how do you control those things actively? And that's the reason why I work with CEOs, giving them a helicopter view. And letting them take the, as Mindy said, you don't tell them what to do, but you can take a helicopter view where you can use their resources to move forward and build the value in their company. So what's next for you? Uh, what's next for me is a continuation of what I'm doing right now, that I am working with some really exciting, fun companies. And un- unlike a lot of consultants, I'm not out there saying that I need to bring in another 20 clients. You know, For me, I am limiting. I cannot take more than one more client this year. So that's the level that I'm at. So I'm very selective about who I'm working with. And that was one of the reasons why I wrote my book, is because I can reject all of the other people who are coming to me without feeling very guilty that I'm letting them down, that I can give them something that they can take in their hands and they can work with themselves and bring themselves to one level forward and that I can still focus on the people who I can deliver the most value with.
0: That's very confident and lacking arrogance in you for doing that. I mean, you're sharing your knowledge free to a lot of people, you know, um, or, or for reasonable rates, which is not usual for consultants. They normally charge a fortune to share their knowledge.
4: Well, it's something that I have a passion about. Yeah. And it doesn't cost me if once I've created the book, it doesn't cost me any more to have one more person benefit from that. If they can benefit one little bit from that,
1: I, I would agree with, and disagree because I believe if I sit down with someone, I'll share all my knowledge with them. I'm happy to share my knowledge. And, I'm, I, and I know that there's people out there that can't afford what we offer. But need or services, yes. so I'm, I believe if you share everything, some people then will get that knowledge and use it. Some people get that knowledge and will feel overwhelmed and want to use your services or use you. But it's 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 about helping. Indeed, it, yeah, on it.
0: Dermot. So I, mm. I I know you I know you quite well, and I know you're a non-executive director in the aviation industry, and mm. I think you're supporting a, a startup or a couple of startups. But what's and obviously the coaching side of things and mentoring and consulting what what are your
3: priorities for the next year or two? Well, for me, the biggest area of fascination is the whole uh, dynamics of, of teamwork. And much of the success in the corporate world and just everywhere else in this world, I think is determined by the dynamics of how well a team works. And I suspect much of the intangibles that Raymond was talking about earlier is, um, you know, sometimes by chance, you can create a team that is working effectively. And the problem with that is that because you, you know, it just sort of happened, the challenge is how do you keep that momentum going if some of those team members leave? In, in other words, in some of the most successful organizations in the world, if you ask them, how did you do it? They say, well, we were lucky enough. Look at the Nike story. You know, the right people showed up at the right time They worked well together, they got the company off the ground. Uh, The next challenge though is no team stays intact forever and you've got to create a dynamic to have people moving in and out of the team without creating any lasting damage to the organization and in order to kind of create that growth culture and and the passion that Raymond talked about. Passion is a very important thing by the way. If I'm dealing with anybody in, and, and they're they're looking to achieve something, but there's no passion. Forget it. I mean, to the extent to which I achieved anything in my life, it's because I was passionate about particular projects at particular times.
1: I would agree because if someone sets up a company and you're dealing with startups, and if that person in a startup is running it just for money, it's not going to succeed. It's gonna it's gonna fall because passion outweighs anything else within an industry or w- within any project that you work on as well. It was interesting you said about Nike the one amazing thing about Nike was even after a household name how they were even trying to figure to get $5,000 together oh, to yeah. pay a, pro- a, a staff and it opened up Shoe Dog was the book yes. and it opened up in my mind that a glorious big multinational company, still 10, to 15 years in, or still struggling.
0: And that sort of hit me and went, huh, it's, it's real. I'm really interested in this whole, is it luck, is it passion, or is it strategy? So we, and I have in my head Microsoft, right? So in the 90s, massive organization, world's biggest brand, one of the world's, the biggest tech tech brand. Today, Then they, you know, there's a bit of a, uh, a drop in the brand value. Today they are again, the world's biggest brand. What what's caused that, at Raymond? Is that luck? Is it strategy?
4: Is it having the right new passionate CEO? Is it all of those things? What, what, what What's the most important part? Well, innovation isn't something that you can program. So you cannot have a formula and then you plug in all the elements into the formula and then you've got a guaranteed result. So there isn't a single formula. and That's the joy of this. You look at a company like Microsoft, Microsoft is full of very, very smart people. And I've done a lot of work with people in Microsoft. I've been in Microsoft headquarters many times. I've met all of the senior executives in Microsoft at one time or another. And very smart people, very, very passionate. They've got lots of strategies. And some of these strategies don't work because the market doesn't accept it. You look at Bill Gates, grew this company from nothing to for him becoming the richest man in the world. Steve Ballmer took over and for 10 years, the company was flat. And now you've got Satya Nadella coming back and injecting more energy into it with uh, a lot of successes in the cloud area. And they've become the number one cloud provider in the world again, which has brought Microsoft to the top. Mm. We're coming
1: to the end of the show. Um, It was just mentioned, you mentioned a couple of them there. If you think like Warren Buffett, it took him 10 years before he made his first 10, his first million, you know. Ross Perot was offered Microsoft and he turned it down and I'm sure he has sleepless nights thinking about that as well. So if a company is looking and they're looking to grow, do you know, overnight success takes you 10 years plus. It doesn't happen overnight, especially with startups. They need to sort of realize... It doesn't happen tomorrow, it'll happen
3: a couple of years down the road. I think the truth is you need resilience. There are yeah. many defeats along the way. Many, yes, yes. And, you know, you've really just got to be able to pick yourself up. And if I was to pay a tribute to, to our American friends, yeah, yeah. it seems to me that the Americans have a wonderful culture where Americans just brush off defeat and they move on. Yeah, We're still not as good in Ireland at brushing off defeat and moving on. And that's probably something we need to learn to do better, I think. Yeah, in the future, take the knock and, and get on with it. Exactly.
1: We've got one minute left. We'll start with yourself. Where can people find you? Give us your website and details.
2: Yes, you can find me at com. I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, M. Castledon. And I'd love to hear from anyone. Excellent.
4: Uh, me too. Um, LinkedIn is one way that I'm uh, very uh, open to engagement with people. If you send me uh, an invitation to connect and just tell me why you want to connect, I'm very happy to do this.
1: And when's the book being published? Um, um, what's
4: it called? I've had two books out now and the second book, which is the most recent one, is uh, Million doll- Sorry, Billion Dollar IP Strategy. That's already available on the um, Kindle bookstore.
3: Uh, Please find me on LinkedIn, Dermot Mannion. I'm very active all the time, and uh, I'm always open to interaction.
0: And as ever, Simon at simonhague.com.
3: And myself,
1: thank you for... uh Business Eye this week, I want to thank all our guests. You can catch me at joedalton.ie and if you want to check out the masterminds that we're running in October, you'll find them at jdc.ie. Until next week, folks, another super week, some amazing guests. I think we could have talked here for a couple of hours. Have a super weekend and for all my rugby fans, enjoy the rugby and take care.
5: You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, community radio with a global audience.
0: Broadcasting from the Dumb Drum Town Centre, this is Dublin South FM.